Welcome to the Ice Talks, where we implement change every day. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Ice Talks. I am your host, Harold S. Reed Jr., also known as HRJR, your motivational coach. If you don't know what motivation means, motive plus action equals results, and results equals success. And as promised, I'm coming correct with more consistent episodes of this podcast. All right. Um, Today, I want to talk to you briefly about taking stock. Now, something I always talk about uh, to my clients, to my friends, to my brothers, my sisters, my peoples, anybody who will listen pretty much is the importance and value of taking stock of yourself. See, I have one of the afflictions that I have is um, I don't know. You know what? I'm not even going to call it an affliction because it's not something that pretty much directly affects me, but it is a manner in which I am perceived. And I recognize that this is how other people may perceive me. To that, I mean this, or rather by that, I mean this. I, I know that there are a great many people in my various spheres of influence who may or actually do have the attitude towards me that I think I'm always right. Now, that's their perception. Now, their perception may be their reality, but always remember and understand that someone else's perception of you is not your reality, right? So if somebody wants to see me or see you in a certain light, that's on them. All you can do is be mindful to how you project yourself, right? So when, and I've had people tell me either directly that they think I think I'm always right or somebody said, and they ain't going to say no names, that somebody said, I think I'm always right. The common denominator is they think I think. Notice, I'm very careful with my words here. They think I think I'm always right. Speaking for myself, I know I'm not always right. But here's the difference, and this is where I learned to take stock of myself, and this is what separates me from a great many people, and it may piss some people off. It's not that I think that I'm always right. In fact, I know that I'm not always right. But the difference is I only speak when I am certain that I'm right. So if at the end of whatever I'm talking about, if it's a situation and it has to unfold over time and over time I'm proven to be right, it's because when I spoke, I knew what I was talking about. I don't speak on autopilot. I do my damnedest to choose my words very carefully, right? So the majority of people out there in the world, I would say, right, cultural differences aside, you know, people tend to just come out with what they feel. People tend to come out saying what they mean or saying what they feel and, 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 and speaking with the energy that they are totally right. And may at some point in time be proven false or proven wrong, right? In some cases, maybe even caught in a lie, right? The one thing I hate and will not tolerate and will work 
to my dying breath to not allow to happen is me saying something that is intentionally saying, let me add that qualifier, intentionally saying something that is false, i.e. lying, uh, intentionally saying something with the energy that it's right, but not knowing for certain that it's right. Because then I set myself up to look like a fool when, you know, I'm proven wrong. Now, here's the thing. I always say, right? I always tell people when I have, you know, people that that have issues with me or whatever, prove me wrong or prove that I'm lying. Prove me wrong or prove that I'm lying. I have yet to have somebody challenge those two criteria successfully, right? This separates the, the personal animosity that may exist in some people from like the old TV show Dragnet. Some of you guys don't even know how far back I'm going, right? But there was a character on that show. He was a detective and he'd be questioning somebody and they'd go off on a tangent. And this detective, I think his name was Joe Friday. And he would say, just the facts, just the facts, not facts, F-A-X, because facts machines weren't invented back then. Facts, F-A-C-T-S, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, right? So if somebody is coming from a place where they're speaking just the facts, you may not like those facts, but if you cannot prove those facts to be non-factual, then you just don't like the facts, but it is what it is. So in taking stock of myself, that's one of the things I realized that I come across in such a way that it may turn people off, but I'm not going to change who I am because I speak with a certain level of certainty and I back that certainty with being certain of what I'm talking about, if that makes sense, right? So that's one of the, that's one of the areas in which I take stock of myself, right? So when I talk to you about taking stock of yourself, I use that as an example, but for you in your own life, that example may apply to you. It may not apply you to you, but the process is about seeing yourself for who you really are. Not necessarily who you want to be, not necessarily who you've been in the past, because who you've been in the past doesn't have to be who you are today. And who you are today should not be who you are in the future. I believe it was Muhammad Ali, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't want to misquote him. See, that's me letting you know that I'm giving you the idea of what the man said, and I could be factually, not factually off because the meaning is there, but <laughs> but I'm not quoting directly. I'm paraphrasing, right? But it was Muhammad Ali who did say something along the lines of any man who at 50 years old who thinks the same way he did when he was 30 years old just wasted 20 years of his life, Right? Now, that may be word. That's not necessarily word for word. I'm not even going to say that that's word for word, but you understand the meaning. I'll say it again. And, and I'm getting paraphrasing. So this applies to women as well, even though I say men, because I believe that's what Muhammad Ali said in the original quote when he said it. Uh, and I'll say it again. Uh, any man who at 50 still thinks the same way he did when he was 30 wasted 20 years of his life. See, in taking stock of yourself. What you should be doing is 
be well something I always tell my clients as well be your biggest cheerleader but also be your harshest critic be the first person to catch your own BS and call yourself on it and if you need to apologize and atone for it with somebody let's say you misspoke and you 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 said something that was out of pocket and you either offended someone or hurt their feelings now if it wasn't your intent and they felt how they feel but you were genuine in what you were saying, you can apologize that they're upset and that doesn't have to take away from anything you said unless you were wrong in what you said. See, sometimes in life, you know, we'll, we'll speak our truth, right? And my truth may not necessarily be your truth or the next person's truth or the person two, three houses down their truth, right? Your truth is your truth, but your truth has to be based on fact. It can't be just a strong opinion. And by strong opinion, I mean something being right in your mind and nowhere else. Okay? So if 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 you speak out of line, you need to correct that. Right? If you speak out of turn, you need to correct that. And it might not again, you could be speaking facts, but it might not be your 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 turn to speak, so to speak. <laughs> Okay, but also, you know, um, just be clear that that when you speak, people listen and they will either agree or disagree. And if they agree, cool. If they disagree, that's not your problem. See, I, I tell people all the time, I don't have a problem with you disagreeing with me, but your disagreement alone doesn't mean I'm going to change my view, especially if I can substantiate my view. A while back, I had a lot of debates with a few uh, of my non-melanated friends about certain societal issues, shall we say, right? And none of those people could ever take away or invalidate those issues that I raised. But it bothered them because I may have said some of these things, whether I'm talking about history or whether I'm talking about current events. And it may offend them in such a way or, or because um, they're on the, you know, they're ethnically on the wrong side of history. And that's not to any, do, any fault due to them. That's just how they came into the world. You know, we all have to follow a particular legacy, you know, but that doesn't define who we are as individuals. See, it's all about taking stock of yourself. I can look at every black person that has done well in the world and claim that. And I can look at every black person in the world that has done dirt and not claim that. Right. But just because somebody decides to put their personal prejudices upon me, I don't have to accept that. And neither do you. See, when you take stock of yourself, you know who you are, then you can, you can battle anybody as long as you know who you are. You don't want to be in a position where someone can, um, how can I put this? You don't want to be in a position where someone can call you on your own stuff and you have no way to defend it because, in fact, they're right. And the only way they can be right is if they caught you slipping. And that would be your fault. See, when you become your harshest critic, 
You check yourself first on everything. Even if somebody brings up some dirt you did in your past, you know, and, and that's something that's very big in society today. People love pulling up some dirt that somebody said 20, 30, 40 years ago. And, and, and even though you said that, 20, I'm 51 years old. I'll be 52 this year, right? And I'm certain in my early 20s or let's say even in my 30s and the early days of social media, I may have publicly said some things. As a matter of fact, I don't know which things I've said, but I'm sure I've said some things that I don't see the same at 52 or almost 52 at 51 that I saw when I was, you know, 30 something, 20 something years old. But that's because I take stock of myself and I see where I've changed and I see where I've grown. Right. So the best way to fortify yourself against any enemy. Now, when I say enemy, I'm not talking about somebody that wishes to do you harm. I'm talking about somebody who's just not on your side. But the best way to be able to defeat any enemy is to know who you are. As an African proverb that says, as long as there's no enemy within, the enemy without doesn't stand the chance. Right. So as long as you know and you're solid in who you are within yourself, the enemy, the person who is who is on the outside cannot come at you or they can come at you, but they can't win. Right. If you have a tight family unit, people could say whatever they want about your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your uncle, your auntie, your cousins, whatever. Right. But if you're tight. With your family members and you have their back, you're not going you might talk that same mess about your family member, your relative, your loved one, what have you. But you're not going to let anybody else out there in them streets talk that dirt about your family members. See, that's how you take stock and keep your family tight. Right. So be your biggest cheerleader. Give yourself your own flowers when you do something well. Don't see a lot of people want the recognition. They want to be told, good job. They want the pat on the ass or, you know, uh, uh, you know, the attaboy. Good job. Great job. They want to be told how good they are. And you see this from, I've seen this, listen, especially being a martial arts instructor, I've seen this in children and I've seen this in adults where at the end of the day, somebody's just looking to get recognized and, and, you know, for doing something good. Or actually doing what they were supposed to do. There's a joke that Chris Rock said, you know, like somebody's supposed to be, you know, somebody wants to get praised. I take care of my kids. You're supposed to take care of your kids, you know. So, again, taking stock of yourself is is in a nutshell being your biggest cheerleader where you know what you've done and you're proud of what you've done. And at the same time, being your harshest critic, whereas you're the first one. To call yourself on your BS. So when someone throws that in your face, you could be like, yeah, I did that. That was my mistake. That was my fault. I acknowledge that. I'm not doing that no more. I haven't done it since I did it. So you beating up an innocent person right now. Why? Because I've forgiven myself. That's another thing. That's another part of, of taking stock of yourself is, is being able to recognize when you've done wrong and even if you offer an apology to someone they don't have to forgive you they don't have to 
You forgive yourself. See, when you, I, I, I've spoken about this before. I believe when I give someone an apology, that one apology is what you get, provided that one apology is sincere, right? And if you're not going to give a sincere apology, why bother? I recently had, well, a couple months back, you know, my wife and I were going back and forth over something and I gave a really shitty apology. I'm not going to front. See, I'm taking stock of myself. I gave a shitty apology. So I had to go back after I reflected on it. Once again, taking stock, being my harshest critic, telling myself, yo, dude, that was a shitty apology. Go right. Go go back and get right. Go go back and, and come correct. Which is what I did. See? So I believe when you give somebody an apology, provided that apology is genuine, that first apology is all you need to give. Now, if they choose to accept it, cool. If they choose not to accept it, cool. Forgive yourself and move on with your life. Because here's the flip side of giving an apology. The the, the norm is to believe that once you've apologized, you're supposed to be forgiven. And once somebody says, I accept your apology, everything stops and you start right there moving forward. That's not, in fact, reality. And when people don't have an understanding of this, then uh, what tends to happen is that person says, I accept your apology, but they haven't let go of the pain of whatever it was you were apologizing for. And if they don't give you the opportunity to show that you're, you know, in fact, sorry for what you what you may have done or said. They're just waiting for you to screw up again so they can bring that and throw it right back in your face. So when you give someone an apology, one, let that first apology be the only one you give. And then beyond that, you show your atonement by not doing again what it was you apologized for in the first place. Right. So if that person chooses not to forgive you, even though you apologize, you acknowledge what you whatever you did or said that was wrong and you don't do it again. But that person still wants to hold a grudge. That person still wants to not be cool with you. That's on them. Right. Something my father always told me, never let people live rent free in your mind. Right. Now, I tell you, honest God, truth, full disclosure, there are people in my life who have done me wrong and I haven't even given them a chance to apologize. But again, this is based on the severity of what it was they've done. I don't care about an apology. I don't even want an apology. I just cut the person off. See, one thing I learned to do in taking stock of myself is, and this is where we're going to shift gears before we end this taking stock of those around you. Very important to take stock of those around you. Are the people around you adding value to your life? Are the people around you challenging you? Dr. Dennis Kimbrough said, if you are the smartest person in your circle, then you need a new circle. Jim Rohn said, you, if you show me who you with, I will show you who you are. Zig Ziglar said, you are the sum total of the five people you spend most of your time with. And all of them at one point or another have said, uh, if there are nine broke people around you, you are bound to be the 10th. I'm paraphrasing that one. 
Okay, but I've heard that one from several of of my motivational mentors, shall we say. Right? So you want to take stock of the people around you. Right? Do you find yourself in relationships, situationships, friendships, or other circumstances where in which you're giving more than you're receiving? Do you find yourself in situations where, or circumstances where in which, you know, whenever somebody calls, you're Johnny Quick on the spot to help them, but when you need to call somebody, you get the voicemail, or you get ah, 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 right? You need to take stock of that. See, if you're going to take yourself to the next level of your life, whatever that may be, You are definitely going to have to cut some people out. I guarantee you. If you take stock of the 10 people you spend most of your time with, how many of them, how many of them, how many of those people push you? How many of those people challenge you? How many of those people give you your flowers when you're due? How many of those people push you when you think you can't push yourself any further? Right? If you got, how many of those people will be the first ones to tell you why you can't do something? Even if it is ridiculous, even if it is something you've never done before, even if it is something that you you have no experience in, but you want to try it. Excuse me. Oh God, I hate the word try. You guys know I hate the word try, but you want to endeavor to do something. You want to, you want to stick your toe in the pool of learning to play an instrument or learning a different language or learning real estate or, or. Say you got a voice and you want to become a singer and, you know, but who, how many people you got in your circle that will talk you out of your dreams or attempt to talk you out of your dreams? See, the one thing I always tell people is it is never the person talking to you who talks you out of your dreams. It is the person talking within you who talks you out of your dreams. But remember what I said a few minutes ago, when there's no enemy within, the enemy without doesn't stand a chance. So see how this all comes together? See how this all comes together? You have to take stock of yourself and you have to take stock of the people you have around you. And when you take stock of yourself, you want to carry and portray yourself in a certain way where you can look in the mirror and feel dignified and know that every day you drew breath was a day you 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 were righteous. You did. And I say righteous. I'm not talking about all praises due to God and all this other. I'm, I'm talking about just knowing you are a good person. Some people may like you. Some people may not. That is their business. How someone feels about me is none of my business. I carry myself in such a way where you either like me or you don't. You either respect me or you don't. Either way, it doesn't change how I go to sleep, wake up and do what I do. And that's what I advise you to do. That's what I recommend you do. Take stock of yourself and know who you are as a person. Know who you are as a human being. Know who you are as a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or friend, period. Know who you are. That's step one. Step two, know who's around you and what, what, what kind of value they bring or add to your life, right? And you may have friends that are cool to just... I, there are guys that I'm that if I go to smoke cigars and I hang out in the cigar lounge for an hour or two, the guys that are there, that's where they are. And I probably don't socialize with them outside of that arena. I have uh, my, my, my Masonic fraternity brothers. And, you know, when I go to the lodge and I fellowship with them, 
that's where I see them. I have the, the, the organization I pledged when I was in college, Group I Grew, Social Fellowship Incorporated, non-Greek social fellowship. Okay, it's a fraternal organization, but we do not prescribe ourselves to be Greek. Okay, but I have, and, and I've been a groove this year, uh, 2022 will be my 30th year. So I always take pride in saying, I'm short of being alive, I've been a groove longer than anything else. But the brothers I hang out with and by connection, my sister organization is Sisters of Swing, Fly Swing, Social Fellowship Incorporated. When I'm with them, it's all about them. And then I have people who have nothing to do with those areas at all. I have uh, a little mastermind group that I touch base with from time to time and we bounce ideas and, and we encourage one another. And that group consists of three other people, just three other people. And we have a little group chat. And these are people that I go to to draw strength from. And then they come to me to draw strength from me. That's what we do for one another. That's we, we challenge each other. We push each other. I have another friend uh, by the name of Linda Hales. And she's all I can always count on her to light a fire under my behind. I have another friend who's a music producer by the name of Magic Reed. No relation. He's a brother from another mother. But. I can always count on him to drop some jewels on me and he can count on me to drop some jewels on him. I have people in my life who challenge me, who push me to be a better person. Right. But then also I have some people in my life who are ungrateful for the things I do for them. And I know who they are, whether or not they know I know is not important. What is important is that I know and I carry myself in such a way that I can be proud that my son can look at me, my sons can look at me when I'm gone the same way I still look at my dad now that he's gone, right? That's, that's the value of taking stock of yourself and taking stock of those around you. And again, I'll give you my dad's quote, and this is, the most, this is by far the best advice he, had, he has ever given me in my life which is never let people live rent-free in your mind. See, when you take stock of the people that are in your life and in so doing, the one, the one or two criteria is do they add value or, or, or let me put it to you like this. Are they an asset in your life? Do they add value to your life or are they a liability to your life? Do they drain you? Do they take energy from you? Are they always somebody who comes around when they need something, but never around when you need something, right? When my wife and I first started dating, uh, she had a friend who, like, I, I, I'm secure. I'm, you know, I was like, listen, this is my woman. I got her. I'm good. I'm not worried about some other dude. That's her friend. I got, I have female friends too. And she might have felt some way about that, but we got each other. 20 years in, we well, total together, 22 years in, we still have each other, right? But I told her, you know, this dude would always call when he needed somebody. He needed to get picked up somewhere or his car broke down or I remember one, I think it was like, I think it was like our first year anniversary of just being together and we were going to do something, go out, what have you, and dude called up. Oh, my car's in the shop. Can you come get me? You know, I told my wife, I said, listen, we got to do something about this dude. And again, she, you know, she wasn't my wife at the time, but as her boyfriend, as her man, I had to say, I got a problem with this dude only calling when he needs something. I understand he's your friend and 
I'm never about burning bridges, but if the only time he can reach out to you is when he needs something, he can't just call and say hi. He can't just call and see, hey, how you and your man doing? How you everything going well? I ain't trying to push up. I just want to make sure you, you know, you my buddy. I'm looking out for you. I can respect that. You know, when I when I first started dating my wife, I had a lot of my sisters reach out to me and say, hey, man, I see you in, hey, bro, I see you in a relationship. You know, just want to make sure you're happy. Are you good? Yeah. You know, and then you continue to support, right? That's how a friendship works. You do for somebody. That's how any relationship should work. See, I don't believe in give and take. I believe when you give and somebody takes, somebody's without. But if you give and they give and you have a cycle of giving, right? So you're recycling generosity. You're recycling love. You're recycling emotion. You're recycling affection. And nobody ever goes without. But if somebody's in your life where the only time they come around is when they need something, that person should be let go. If you're going to take your life to the next level, you need to get rid of the people who pose nothing but liabilities to your ascension to the levels you want to reach in your life. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Ice Talks. You can find me on Twitter at the Ice Talks. You can follow me on Instagram at HS Reed Jr. All one word, H. S-R-E-E-D-J-R on Instagram, all right? Also, you can find me under HRJR Coaching Services, excuse me, yeah, HRJR Coaching Services on Facebook. So with that, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'm looking forward to the next episode, and I want you guys to have a great night. Take care of yourselves. I love you, and there's nothing you could do about it. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ice Talks, where we implement change every day.